knowing every possible sequence of events beforehand, set his mind on Jacob. And his scheme and his, I should say, his part in God's blessing for the nation of Israel. Now, if you if you've missed some of the words that are associated with this man. We read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, you should know by now, but maybe you don't. Chapter 11 is referred to as the heroes of faith. And there are a couple verses, verses Chapter 11 of Hebrews, verses 1, or pardon me, verses 20 and 21. And it says this By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And by faith, Jacob when he was dying. And what I'm trying to do is show you that it was through his life, God continually to, no, I do. God continuing to develop him according to his promises. That is God's promises, not Jacob's. Mm -hmm. In the end, when it was all done, he could lean on his staff. He couldn't walk anymore. And he through faith, says so, chapter 11, by faith, blessed Jacob when he's dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and worshiped upon the top of his staff. The story of Jacob in the book of Genesis gives us, and this is found particularly in Old Testament, the totality of his life, both the good, what, what we perceive as good, and what we perceive as evil. Jacob was a man. Jacob 
with a man whose spirit was blessed with God, but he was also a man who progressively learned that walking in the flesh was not the way to attain the promises of God. So it's like Paul who said, I know mm -hmm. whom I have believed. <laughs> and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I I have committed. Now, what that word committed means is not that he had pur purposed his heart to, to, to do well. No, he purpose in his heart to allow God to do what God does. My friends, it struck me this morning that that 10 minutes of our lives that is spent with fellowship with God is worth more than all that we might squeeze out of this world in a life pertaining to the world that has absolutely no value whatsoever. We see this. Today, taking up from last time, where Jacob and his daughters had deceived Laban and God intervened because surely if God did not intervene, Jacob would have died. He would have been killed. And it's, it's that he escaped that problem. But immediately and coincident with his problem with Laban, he immediately is thrust up against the result of his, his jealous desire to obtain Esau's blessing. 
that he did. And what's in the will of God, because God laid on Isaac by prophecy that, that it was his choice that Jacob should make up to his children the whole house of Israel. Now that included Joseph, who was not the offspring of Jacob, he was the offspring of Isaac. Probably the one most likely not to succeed. Started out in prison. He was falsely accused. But Joseph grew in stature. He grew in the mercy and goodness of the Lord. And you can see it through the totality of his life that in the end, when his brothers came to him, they didn't recognize his face but he knew who they were. And it was Joseph who said, you, I know, you brothers of mine have done what you did for evil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. But he said, I know that God has meant it to me for good. And such was the faith that we find in every man of God. Were there failures? Oh, yes, in every one. But in the end, after the totality of their life had been in this world had been spent, they came to see that relationship with God could not be compared to what they might attain in this world. And so, Jacob and Laban built a heap of rocks and said, let this heap of rocks testify between me and you that we will not quarrel. We will forget, at least on Jacob's part, 
all the evil that had been done on both sides, but mainly on Laban's. And so Jacob did a few things that seemed wise to him. I don't know that it was God's leading or not, but he set his household into two parts. Part was led by Leah, his first wife, and part was led by Rebekah, the wife that he especially loved and had tender feelings for. And they crossed into the promised land in two bands. And then Jacob was left alone on the opposite or the dark side, if you would, in the world. Starting with chapter 31, we read that Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. Now, this wasn't the first time Jacob had seen the angels of God. He saw them descending and ascending into heaven itself. He had named the place where the ascents and the descents took place. And he named it Bethel, the house of God. We think, or at least many in Christendom, think that the house of God is that church on the corner, which has been built from the, the riches that the congregations could provide. And they provided beautiful buildings with high steeples, with manicured lawns, padded seats, and when one would walk into the sanctuary, as they do today, they say, surely God's blessing is on this place. And though it is but the tickling of the senses of the flesh that makes them deceive them to think, from what they see, that God is there. It's never true alone. For God is where you meet him. And God is where 
you see something you didn't know before about him. And if it be a place in the wilderness, it is more holy than all the sanctuaries that men have built in this world. We, in many cases, through at Christendom, have sold our birthright. Like Esau, for a bowl of pottage, Esau said, let me have some of that red stuff, and I will give you my blessing from my father. <coughs> And so it stood. Jacob saw the angels and said, This is God's host. And he called the place Mahanam, which means two hosts are bands, the visible band. Jacob and his servants, and the invisible band, God and his angels. It is so much in the world that we see that we think is reality. This world is but a construct. where God is going to give you and I an opportunity to prove him. Jacob slowly was learning that all the blessings that this world might give him were worth nothing. And Jacob sent before him Esau, or before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, that's Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau, thy servant Jacob, saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban, was there 20 years. And I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and woman servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in his sight. And the message, 
messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid. Ah, think of the scripture that says, don't fear what men can do to you in this world. But fear him who is able both to cast thy soul and body into hell. Esau wasn't, or uh, Jacob wasn't perfected yet. He thought he would buy Esau off because he'd done it before. But now he hears that Esau's coming with 400 men and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels and said, if Esau come to one company and smite it, then the other company, which is left, shall escape. This was Esau's, or pardon me, this was Jacob's plan. He hadn't come to the place where he understood that God had in his hand the end of the plan and that he would alter the wrath of Esau. But God had already been to the heart of Esau. And Jacob said, oh my God, Father Abraham and God of my father Isaac the Lord, which saith unto me, return to thy country and thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. That wasn't enough. He had to get his fingers in the plan. I am not worthy for the least of all the mercies. Talking about the mercies of God. He's He's wising up. It's all mercy, my friend. There is no merit in it. Of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant, for with my staff I passed over the storm, and now I am between or become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good. <laughs> God doesn't need our reminding him of his promises to us. It's okay if you do it. 
But God already said, I will do good to thee and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Mm -hmm. Well, things go on. And there, uh, Jacob was left alone. I'd like to carry forward now, chapter 32. Verse 22, and it says this, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford to book. And just in passing, does anybody remember where the 12th son was? Who he was? Don't remember? The last son was to be Benjamin that came from poor Rachel. And Jacob was left alone. Now, I think this is one of those times in the night that Jacob felt utterly helpless. I think he was afraid. I think he looked into the void and he wondered what would become of him. We do that all the time. Even though our word tells us that uh, we have nothing to fear as long as we trust God. And that God, that's the first go with the predestination. Um, uh, What God say about when He talked about uh, it's in Romans eight. Mm -hmm. I sometimes don't remember things as well as I used to, but I want you to hear it again. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and we know that. God worketh all things, all things together for good to them that love God. Now, don't forget that part of the verse. To them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. I'll leave it to you, spoken on it a number of times. Your purpose, your purpose in this life. 
He did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he may be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he called, whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. I, th I think that verse is so interesting. It leaves out the fact that in between justified and glorified is a whole area where God is going to make you ready for heaven. What shall we say to these saints? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him? Something I want you to notice there. It doesn't say how um, how shall he not with all things also freely give us all things. You looking at your Bibles right now? We're looking at verse 32, Romans 8. No, it doesn't say that. doesn't say, how shall he not also give him freely us all things? So much lately, the last several years, God has been leading me to understand that my life is Jesus. I'm sorry, but I watch Christians. I see what the totality of their lives are to some degree. And I know now that life is Jesus. That verse, which rings so true out of Romans 5, it says, if we have been saved by the death of his son, and I think the church has not given adequate, or maybe at all, in many cases, the truth of the rest of the verse. For the rest of the verse means that 
salvation is Jesus, it has a place where it starts. But it is Jesus all the way where there is blessing from that point. So therefore it says much more. So it must be much more. than even the fact we recall, the fact that salvation began, but that we are saved by his life. Well, I don't know if I, I surely explained to you what that meant. That means that Jesus, will save us by living in us and making us in the image of his being. That's why we love. That's why we are, are faithful. That's why we askew evil. That's why we develop discernment. Because every one of those things involves the life of Christ. And so John says, as we walk in the light, that's, that's after we're, we begin, mm -hmm. we walk in that life. And as we do it, we fail, maybe a lot, maybe sometimes for a long time. As we, but that light is there. The light never leaves. If it's there, we walk in the light as he is in the light. And what a place to put the rest of that scripture. But it recognizes that we need Jesus all the time. <laughs> and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. My friends, I'm sorry, but to the best of our knowledge, when it comes time for God to call us home, we should not be aware of anything, any sin that we have held out for our own. Mm -hmm. In this life, it's no small thing to say that for me, this is my testimony. That God has through a lifetime shown me 
that it's Jesus all the time. It's Jesus. And the way I think, it's Jesus. When he makes thoughts known to me that are not, his thoughts. It's Jesus who has a love that whereby I can love my enemies. It's Jesus whereby I get the strength to put one foot in front of the other when times are hard. And all of you have hard times one way or the other. But it's Jesus who is there in those times to forgive and to cleanse and to restore. And so, Going back now to verse 24, 22, in Genesis 32, verse 22 says, And he rose up that night, and he took his two wives and two women servants, and his eleven sons, and he passed over the ford of Jabuk. Then and he took them, that is the, the two groups, and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Jacob was going to be in place now. Or he didn't have his hand on anything. But his own thoughts had done all he could do, which I say wouldn't have been enough. In fact, it wouldn't have been anything. But Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man and who do you think it was he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day i think <laughs> i think that man was jesus I don't think it was some obscure angel. I think it was Jesus. Because when it comes down to it, my friends, your blessings and mine depend 
on one man. And we wrestle with him. And when the man saw that he would not prevail against him, I mean, Jacob wrestled through. I think the Lord Jesus wrestled just enough to make the whole thing memorable to Jacob. Because he had all power in heaven and earth. But he let Jacob win. And he saw that he prevailed not against him. And he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the breaking of day is coming. He said, and Jacob said to him, I won't. Do I think that was a Credit to Jacob's willfulness? No. It was a credit to Jacob's faith. I won't let you go. Except, he said, thou bless me. It sounds like walking with Christ and wrestling. And we finally say, Lord, you, you must bless me. And so the angel said, Jacob, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And you know that the word means swindler or supplanter, but most of us understand what a swindler was. All of that we were before Jesus is finished with us. takes into account that the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Mm -hmm. 
And so the angel said, what is thy name? He said, my name is Jacob. It's not to be called that anymore. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and man. And that's what Israel means. Translation, transliteration into English is a prince with God. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, where is it that thou dost ask my name? And he blessed him there. You shouldn't have figured it out by now. And Jacob called the name Peniel, which is to be interpreted the face of God. Now we know that it was Jesus. Jacob named the place Penile, and I've, he said, I've seen God face to face. And my life is reserved. I wonder. I wonder over the years how many saints of God wrestled with him and said finally, I'm not going up in this place except I see your face. And what Moses said, and a number of God's men. And he passed over Penuel, and the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel ate not the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that sank. I am reminded that in the Gospels there is a strange verse that says that the kingdom of heaven must be taken by force. That is, the ones who are going to prevail with God as Jacob did, and I tell you, we must all Whatever you think the cost in this world is, we must come to see the face of the face of God 
And we must know. And I hope every one of you know. Because I believe I know. That there will be a cost. You no longer will be looked at as, as simply a citizen of this earth. For the scripture tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. For each one of you and me, I certainly don't leave myself out. There will be the continual call of the flesh in this world that we might spend the rest of our days entertaining ourselves. I hope every one of you have your holy place where wrestled with God. <laughs> there will be times when you miss the things of the world. You miss the ability for the expression of your own creativity. And it will call to you. And you will look back and you will see that there were the times there was real joy in the earth. It'll soon be over. And finally, we'll be left nothing. But the love of God the ability to look on his face and the joys of eternity that you don't know about yet and I don't either but knowing God there won't be any comparison to what we could have had out there and what we must believe that we will have up there. Let us pray again. I think I'll finish this passage Lord, 
This is not a new message. But I think of Peter, who said, I will remind you continually. Maybe we're tired of hearing it. But Peter said, I'll remind you continuously. And I will not let you forget that God wants all of you on the altar and there will come a day he'll tell you how you did father bless these people there are many we are not, if we were gone tomorrow, Lord, we know the world if they missed us at all, it would be for a moment. And for many, it would be, I'm glad you're gone. But we don't care what men think. We care what you think. And you never change what you think. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You, dear Jesus, must be. And for me, you will be the star that I hitch my way to. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. But more than that, we thank you that you reveal to us by the Spirit what the word means. For except you be in it, it is just words. Have our way now, Lord, and come soon, we pray. But we wait according to your endurance and pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>